0: Our new sermon series is beginning today, and um, this is called A Fresh Look at Familiar and Beloved Scriptures. And I have many of them in my life, and I'm sure many of you do as well. Perhaps you have even committed them to memory. As a kid, we had memory verses, and and some of those have stuck with me since childhood, and others that I adopted later on. But we're going to go back and look at some of these. Uh, Many of them may be very familiar to you, some perhaps not as much. But each of them stands on their own as a a word from the Lord that is encouraging and inspiring and helpful, and we're going to dig beneath and see where that verse came from. What was going on here in today's case in the life of Joshua that God said this to him in that moment? What was the reason God said that about being strong and courageous? Next week, a very familiar proverb, three, five, and six, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. And and we're going to dig deeper into that. Um, Walking, excuse me, being transformed from Romans 12, uh, being blessed and being a blessing from number six and and right on down the list. So I'm sure that you're going to be touched and blessed by looking back at these verses. Usually my series has a theme or a book of the Bible and one connects to the rest. Uh, This one is... um, a lot of different ones, and all of them are going to be helpful. I, I really believe that I know that, because it's, it's from the Word of God. And then, uh, looking ahead to 2023, as we get into the new year, uh, we're going to begin the Book of Romans. And that's what God has led me to preach about. And, and the title is Love Letter to the Empire. And I'm excited about, about uh, the depth of that book. It is a very deep book, and there's so much... Rich power from God in the book of Romans. And so prayerfully, we'll learn together. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. How many of you remember middle school? or junior high, or intermediate school, wherever it was called in your community. When I was in sixth grade, I went, this was the new building. This was, in fact, it was literally new, I think just a year or two before I got there. But it was the idea that I was going from my small elementary school where there's one class for each grade and one teacher for that class, and you had that teacher all day. Now I'm going to this big school with all these people, and I'm going to have different teachers throughout the day for for science and math and and English and gym and art and and all of this. I'm going to move around this big building with this one particular class, but it's going to be very different, a little bit scary. And that transition is always hard at that age, even to this day, of course, Um, but One of the things I remember about that sixth grade was early on in the school year, our our homeroom teacher told us that we we need to elect officers in our homeroom, a president, a vice president, a treasurer, and a secretary. And then I forget exactly what we did with that in in the homeroom, to be honest with you. But then those who were elected in their homeroom were then candidates to be President, vice president, treasurer, and secretary of the entire class. So there was, I don't know, six or seven homerooms, I'm guessing. I forget how many exactly. But so there was, you know, I think, I think my graduating class was about 300, something like that. Okay. So it wasn't a real big school, but it wasn't real small either. So um, I was elected treasurer in my homeroom. Wow, that was exciting. Don't tell Linda. <laughs> But here's what we had to do then. There was going to be an election. And so they got the entire sixth grade into the big auditorium, and they lined us up on chairs. And here's all the candidates for president, vice president, et cetera, sitting there. And then one by one, we had to give a speech in front of this whole class in the auditorium with the spotlights on stage and all of my fellow classmates looking at me and I nervously wrote my little speech about why I would make a good treasurer. I was scared stiff. <laughs> and they were wise not to elect me. But, <laughs> but I, I wasn't even disappointed. I was so nervous about that, I was just glad that was over with. Um, but it was a very fear-filled moment a couple of years later, there was a different kind of election and involving me, but a much smaller group. Uh, the church I grew up in, which I went to a couple of weeks ago, and I shared about celebrating their 125th year as a church, and um, when I was um, a teenager, I was part of the youth group. Now, as a as a fairly small church, I mean, we had, back then... On a good week, we'd have 75, 80 people. Once in a blue moon, we'd have 100 people. But, you know, it was, it was okay, sized church. But for the size church we had, we had a lot of teenagers. So I had friends, um, lots of friends who were, were my age, and I really enjoyed that. In fact, that was really the basis of most of my friendships during my teen years was, was my church, more so than my school. Um, there was a little bit of crossover there, but it was mostly church. This youth group, the way it was structured was... We had officers, president, vice president, secretary, treasurer. And when I was 16, the youth group elected me as president of the youth group. And I felt really honored and I was excited about it. And, but what I remember most was this. After that little election and the youth group wound down, one of the, one of the other youth group members came to me, and a, a girl I'd known for quite a while. She said, Paul, I'm so glad that, that you were elected. I think you're going to do a great job. I said, Well, thank you. That meant so much to me. I felt good about being elected, but that one of them took the time to come over and say, Congratulations, Paul, you're going to do good. That gave me so much courage to do the job. Courage. Strength and courage. You got enough? Where do you need it? Where is it lacking? This is the message that God gave Joshua in a very important moment, not just in Joshua's life, but in the the people of Israel, in the flow of Scripture. You have in in, in Genesis, the start of a nation with, with Abraham and then Isaac and Jacob, and all of Jacob's sons, and then eventually those sons are in Egypt, and those sons are put under slavery and it goes centuries that they're under slavery, and then God sends Moses to go in and challenge the Pharaoh to let the people go, and we know those stories hopefully pretty well about the plagues, and and then uh, being set free, and, and the Exodus, and crossing the Jordan River. Now Egypt is behind them. They are now a nation, okay? So that's the flow of Scripture. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy tell that story, and from the beginning of Exodus until Deuteronomy, you got one leader. His name is Moses. And Moses was revered and, and needed to be revered. And, um, but it's time for a transition of leadership for the first time in this nation's history. This was a pretty big moment. Now Joshua was Moses' aide and you can read about that in Exodus 24, 13. If you uh, have ever seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, a classic one, although parts of that film are kind of twist scripture or add a lot of things that weren't there, one of the things he definitely got right, among others, was that um, the, the connection between Joshua and Moses. Joshua was always right next to him. In fact, when, when Moses came down from the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments for the first time, who's waiting there at the edge of the hill? Joshua. And Joshua warns him that there's trouble in the camp and the people are rebelling and war could break out. And that, that comes directly out of Scripture. So Joshua's there then. Joshua's there all along. Uh, in, in Numbers chapter 13, when it was time for the people to take hold of the land that God promised, they had to make a plan. So so one spy was chosen from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And among those were was a man named Joshua. And there was another man named Caleb from another tribe, as well as 10 others. So the 12 of them set off to just check out this land. I went, and, and not just the land of what was there, but the people that were there that, that they were going to overthrow. How are we going to do this? Well, they came back and they said, there's good news and bad news. The good news is it's a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it's it's, it's a, a good fertile land. You can grow things there. And it, it, it's blessed. But the bad news, there's giants. There's giant cities. There's giant people. There's And, and they have armies, and they're well fortified. How are we going to do this? We're just this, these people with... Who came out of Egypt, we were slaves, and, you know, we have to come up with an army. And so the 10 among the 12 all doubted God. And because those 10 doubted, most of the people in the nation doubted. And Moses is telling them, no, we can do this, come on. And because maybe that was democracy sneaking in, I don't know. They, there's ten to, if, if 10 people tell you this is, this is to warn you, don't do this, and two say, no, we got this it's human nature to go with a 10, isn't it? Okay. I mean, democracy isn't bad, but it's not great either. And, and the kingdom of God, isn't, isn't a democracy. Okay. And, and in this moment, they should have threw that away and said, all right, you 10 guys, I, I know it's big. I know it's hard, but we kind of like Joshua and Caleb's, you know, passion and, and, and their faith that God's with us. But the people rebelled and they said, no, we, we're not going. So because of that, That whole generation was destined to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And during those 40 years, they all died off. Now, God blessed Joshua and Caleb that they would live beyond that. But all of their peers died during those 40 years. And now a whole new generation grew up that was going to be ready to take on the promised land. Now, Moses wasn't allowed to go into that promised land when the day finally came. And that was for something else you can read about. But he knew it was time that that in, in Numbers 27 that Joshua was the one who was going to succeed him. So, that was God's plan for a long time before the events written about in the book of Joshua were taking place. And while serving under Moses, God instructs Moses to prepare Joshua, to get him ready. Notice that's in Deuteronomy 3. So, this is a long time, you know, chronologically till the end of Deuteronomy in chapter 31. So, He knows one day this guy is the one, so he's kind of preparing him all along there. And then uh, if you want to turn to to Deuteronomy, just a couple of pages ahead of Joshua 1 there, in the 31st chapter. Now, this is such a great lesson in leadership transition and the way it should be, okay? This is uh, the 31st chapter, the seventh verse. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. We read this earlier in our worship time today, great verse about Believing that God is there and God with us and God is going to give us the, the strength and the courage that we need. But what's most notable about that verse is not just that Moses said this to Joshua, that alone was important because if the existing leader doesn't cooperate with the one that's coming in, it could be a pretty rocky transition, probably will be one. But if the, the existing leader realized his time is past, and especially because this This kingdom was was put here by God. This is God's will for this to happen. Okay, I accept that will. Moses humbly submits to God and says, I'm now going to help Joshua get ready. So that alone is good, but more than that, it says he said this to Joshua in the presence of the people. These people had followed Moses literally their whole life. And they knew Joshua as well, but for Moses to say, you followed God and you followed me as God's chosen leader, now follow him. As you followed me, follow him. That was so important for the people to be one, for the people to maintain their faith that God is with them, and this was indeed God's new leader. And then down at the uh, 23rd verse of Deuteronomy 31 says this, The Lord gave this command to Joshua, son of Nun, be be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land I promised them on oath, and I myself will be with you. So Joshua didn't just hear that from Moses, and Joshua didn't just hear that from Moses in the presence of all his friends and all his neighbors and all the people. He also heard that now from God himself. And the same message keeps coming up, strength and courage, strength and courage, strength and courage, because this was a big deal. This was a new leader for a people, and they had jobs to do. They had to to get this land conquered, and then something that's kind of lost in this story is the end of the book of Joshua is a whole lot of chapters about how the land is divided out. Do you think that's an easy task? like all the victories and battles are done, now we have a land, the borders are secure, who gets what? Do you think that's a recipe for division? (laughs) Real fast. And so it wasn't just his leadership as a military leader, it was his leadership in his political skills to help the people work together and, and agree this, this, these people, this tribe gets this area, this tribe gets this, this area, and, and to have them remain as one. And it was not easy. So here is then getting back to our main passage this morning, the verses around it. The strength and courage after Moses is gone. Moses is gone, it's time to move ahead, it's time to cross the Jordan River and begin these battles. And first of all, strength and courage to lead. Now, in the verses I just read from the 31st chapter of Deuteronomy, again, it's just a couple of pages before this, so chronologically it flows right into Joshua. You see these words, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. So what do you get then when you go to Joshua chapter 1? Look at verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Strength and courage to lead. I don't know how many of you lead something. In fact, most of you do lead something. A household needs leadership, very important one, area of leadership. Some of you lead various aspects of the ministry here at Bushkill Community. Some of you might be volunteers in a school group or a parents group. Some of you might volunteer in other ways in the community. Leadership is always important. It always matters a lot. And so we all need the strength and courage to lead. Something that that comes up too is that he is commanded to be strong and courageous. It's not like, all right, Joshua, you're going to lead the people. It might be good if you work on the strength and courage, but don't worry about it. Just, Just take over. No, you must have this. You can't lead without it. You can't lead anything without strength. Do you agree with that? You can't can't lead your home if you're not strong enough to make the the right decisions for your home. And isn't that what it's really all about? Isn't leadership about wise decision making? And especially when those decisions are argued about a little bit or perhaps even rebelled against, how are you going to respond? What are you going to do? We need strength to know that this is the right thing to do and then the courage to carry it out. That's why leadership and strength and courage go together. They are a package deal. You can't be an effective leader if you don't have strength and courage. The next verse, we see those words once again. Be In verse 7, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Strength to obey. Courage to obey. This is the way of God. So it's not just that I'm in charge now, that means I get to make all the decisions, to call the shots, and I get what I want. That's not leadership. Leadership means... I have a responsibility now for this particular grouping of people, this institution, the family is an institution, the church is an institution, the, the, um, the community organization, the, whatever it is at work, you, you, are, you have a role to play, a job to fill. And so we need to recognize the way that that institution, family, church, community, group, job is supposed to be functioning in the way. Maybe it's written down somewhere that this is the way we do things. Maybe it's just um, uh, uh, an understanding that everyone agrees to. But here's the best way to do it. The leader's job is to get everybody on that same page as much as possible. That's that's pretty tough, isn't it? (laughs) The wedding Linda and I were at yesterday, um, the, the pastor in charge of the wedding Uh, He was talking about, um, in his comments during the ceremony, and and it was a huge wedding party. I think there was nine on each side of the bride and groom, nine people. It was was huge. Um, And he he jokingly said, thank you all for being part of this. Um, This was sort of like herding cats, but it was good. (laughs) Because it's hard to get people on the same page, isn't it? It's hard to get everyone focused. And so, obedience means, here's the way it's supposed to be, and I, as leader, am going to help us get there. Now, in Joshua's case, it was the law of Moses, and again, he was the first one to see Moses come off that mountain with those tablets, so he, he revered that law, and so he wanted the people to realize you have to obey these rules. And and I'm going to lead in that. I'm going to obey them myself so that you see this is the way to do it. I'm going to lead by example. And that's what Joshua needed strength and courage to do. He also needed strength to overcome fear. This is today's main verse. Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Remember, he was the one that 40 years ago went across the river to check out cities like Jericho and see how big and strong they were. And he knew it firsthand, but he believed that God would still help them. Unfortunately, the, except for Caleb, the others in the group didn't agree. So 40 years had passed and not much had changed. That city was still big. It was really strong. And the challenge was just as big. Maybe in some ways it was bigger. So there was many reasons for Joshua to have fear. I don't know about you, But when I wake up in the morning, if I let my mind run untouched by the grace of God, I will have a really quick list of reasons to be afraid that day. And maybe I woke up with it. Maybe I went to bed with it. Situations, people, circumstances... And and maybe I get through the first half hour of the morning. Maybe I get through breakfast and, you know, um, things are good. And then, ah, let's see what's going on in the world. I turn on the TV or go to one of the websites for news. Oh, boy, this is encouraging. (laughs) No, it usually isn't. There's reasons to fear. Everywhere we go, we are in a political season once again. Oh, please let this be over soon. (laughs) Let's get out there and vote and, you know, ask God to help you make the best decision. But it's just this, what do both sides do? They try and make you afraid. If you don't choose our candidate, this is what's going to happen. Be afraid. Courage. There's plenty of reasons to be afraid. There was lots of reasons for Joshua to be afraid. What's on your fear list? Be honest with yourself. What what, what fears do you battle most often in your life? And and, and especially in in whatever aspect that you were a leader in in, in life. What are you afraid of? Ask God for the courage to carry you through, to help you. Because remember, as it says in 1 John, There is no fear in love. Perfect fear, mature fear, excuse me, perfect love, mature love drives out fear, takes away the fear. So wherever there is fear in our lives, there's a place that love still needs to come in a little bit more, maybe a lot more. Don't give up on that. He can do that. He can help you, okay? And and he doesn't hate you or reject you because you're still afraid. He doesn't say, oh, you messed that up, Paul Miller. I see you're still afraid. That's it. I'm going to yank my love from you. That's not God. He's waiting patiently, ready to help us to be strong and courageous. And then also to bring accountability, strengthen and encourage to bring accountability. Down at the 18th verse <clears throat> Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Joshua had to have the courage and the strength to bring, hold the people accountable for their actions. Now, that sounds pretty harsh. Joshua is in charge, you disobey him, and you have put them to death, all right? But in the time and the place and the sequence of, of, of God's working out his plan for humanity, let's just say this was necessary, Okay. It's hard for our modern minds to wrap our mind around the kinds of things that capital punishment was used for, at least written about, in the day in the Law of Moses and in carrying it through under Joshua's leaders and others, Joshua's leadership. But um, this was tested pretty soon. Are you willing to hold the people accountable when they disobey, especially when it hurts everybody? Now, the most familiar most well-known story from the life of Joshua, the book of Joshua, is the Battle of Jericho. And there are songs written about it. And, and usually that's a, that's a Sunday school or a VBS story. And you have the kids march around and, you know, march around the city and the walls came crumbling down and praise God, the people overtook the city. Well, that, was, that happened. That was great. And that was a big moment. And then the next battle, the next city, and, and by the way, that was the big the first battle, that was probably the biggest battle they were gonna have, the biggest city they had to conquer. So it was like it's like getting the toughest team on your schedule on the, the first game, okay? You're gonna have to win that one. If you win that one, oh you're set, right? Well, unfortunately, in the aftermath of the battle, there's one family, one man that disobeyed. The instruction to not take unto yourself the plunder from the city. And he basically took some coinage and shoved it in his pocket and you know said that he gave everything, you know, back to the kingdom, basically, that we used to help everybody. Well, God knew that it happened, and because this one man disobeyed that rule, when they went to the next battle, it was nothing. They thought it was because here's Jericho, and there's this little city, a little place named Ai. I mean, their, their name is only two letters long, they're wimpy people. <laughs> and it's actually spelled in English, like you say it. It's, it's the letter A the letter I. And so they even thought, you know what, we don't even have to take the whole army. This is gonna be nothing. And they're all feeling good, they're all feeling confident, and they got their butts kicked by this little city. And it was, it was a terrible loss. And what happened? Well, some guy named Achan took money from Jericho, a direct violation, a direct disobedience to what they were instructed. And what did Joshua have to do? He had to take him and his family and put them to death. Do you think that was easy? Now, again, our modern sensibilities don't understand that. I'm not suggesting that when one of you disobey, we're going to bring you before and cut you down. No, okay? But in that time and place, that was what was necessary. And, and don't get lost in the particulars there. Think of the principle behind it, okay? To, for Joshua as a leader to hold someone accountable. That's hard. That takes strength. That takes courage. And that's what he had to do. So think in your own life, what, what battles are you facing? Joshua and the people knew there were battles ahead, big battles. There'll be many of them. Do you have strength and courage facing the battle and fill in that own blank, the fill in the blank in, in your own life, what that means? What does, what does battle mean to you right now? Do you have the strength and courage? Are you trusting God to give you the strength and courage to get through that battle? Where do you need more strength to do what God asks of you? It isn't just strength for what I want. It's strength for what God wants. Joshua was promised that when he set, wherever he set his foot, he would be successful. He would claim that. And yet, after God said that, he also said, and the borders will be, And it's spelled out there in Joshua 1. Euphrates River, Mediterranean Sea. So it wasn't like Josh could just walk all over the planet and claim the whole thing. He says, as long as you stay within God's plan, then God will bless your steps. But you walk outside of God's plan, he's not going to bless your steps. So this isn't this carte blanche thing where Josh could walk anywhere and get a big head about it because leadership isn't about yourself. Leadership isn't about getting what you want and demand in your way and, and ridiculing and cutting down anybody who doesn't agree with you. That's not leadership. Joshua understood that. God gave him the strength and courage to see it that way. So where do you need strength to lead within his plan that God would like for you to accomplish in your life? And lastly, do you have enough courage to overcome fear and lead? it's hard. It's hard to lead a household. It's hard. It's hard to lead a church. It's hard to, to work with people who have very selfish motivations and want their way. Maybe you're in a job where your leader is, is that and is very selfish and manipulates people or doesn't care about people, doesn't thank people. We need strength and we need courage. And courage comes just like the voice of that other um, 15, 16-year-old girl that told me as a 16-year-old that, Paul, you got this. You're going to be good at this. You need to encourage people right here at Bushville Community. And you do that. and Keep it up. Never stop it. Encourage them. Thank them for what they do. Don't think it's too small. Jason shared a great story this morning. Thank you, Jason, for that. And, and to, to bring courage to people, that's why encouragement is one of the spiritual gifts, because that is so vital. Because a world is filled with fear, it needs courage to battle. And so encourage one another. Father, may we be that kind of people here in this church. May we be that kind of people in our homes, and our neighborhoods. Give us, I pray, strength, and courage for your will to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.